Shayna, <laughs> we're back on the air. We are. An iron guest. <laughs> we are. We are together. I can see your face. I'm waving at you. <laughs> we're six feet away. Is it, yeah, we're six feet away. We're obeying the law. And it's amazing to see you. Mm-hmm. Glad to have uh, the Iron Cast once again in person. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about people. Uh, normally I'm thinking about them as we do this, them driving along. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking that they're at home, uh, maybe with kids screaming in the background. Sure. <laughs> That's where I would be if not here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe cooking a meal. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, I don't know, drinking a beer, some of the porch guys. <laughs> but uh, this is a very important uh, Iron Cast. It's not the one that we were thinking of doing because the next one we wanted to do was the time capsule. Mm-hmm. So this is the official announcement for the time capsule that we would need women, men to sign up and say, hey, this is one of the unprecedented things that happened in history. The church, how did we experience God during uh, this time? We call it, we can call it the COVID or coronavirus or pandemic uh, season, but what did God do during this time? So whoever is interested, please contact us so that we can get you on the next podcast and we can have a, just a, something for uh, posterity, just something to keep in the archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hopefully Owen has an archive section with the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. Yeah, I got a nod. We're good. <laughs> so, uh, Shana, here we are, and I have to ask you uh, um, some polling questions. Sure. Because just so everyone in Ironworks knows, we are being responsible leaders. And as we begin to think about, uh, read the governor's uh, plan phases to reopen Pennsylvania, we're also thinking about how do we reopen Ironworks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to do that, uh, as I wrote out to the leaders in email today. Uh, we want to do that uh, safely, mm-hmm. respectfully, and legally. Yeah. Uh, and so as we do this, we need to consider some things that not everyone is thinking uh, the same. Uh, so we need to be respectful. And um, so some of the questions are, Shana, so if we go into yellow, the yellow phase, meaning people can con- congregate in, uh, 25, in numbers of 25 or less, but there's some other restrictions about restaurants and all that. But in that kind of scenario, are you open personally to visiting other people's houses if the governor says we're in yellow? Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure because, um, there's, you know, underlying conditions to think about, you know, just some, some folks that I'm close to have like some health conditions that I think I would be okay. But I think if I were to be a carrier, it could be dangerous for them. So I'm not saying no, but I'm saying it would have to be a conversation between me and the people I live with and the people that I see on a regular basis just to see, is this a risk? Is this a high risk for us? Or do we think that this is okay? So I personally, if I were a single person living by myself, I would be open to that. I think that I would be okay. Um, I'm more worried about people that I would infect, you know, who do have compromised immune systems. So my answer is maybe. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we're polling, because we, we, uh, I think the important word that you highlight there is conversation, mm-hmm. and that we want to make sure that we're talking with people that we're going over to their house, you know, yeah. how do they feel about it, and then yeah. and to have this open dialogue, because otherwise we're going to feel shunned, yeah. uh, or feel like, um, yeah. 
you know, just maybe hurt some people's feelings. So we still just don't have enough data to really know what this thing is doing. But I just feel personally that, um, like you, I don't want to be a carrier. Mm -hmm. I want to be a hope carrier, not a death carrier. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I want that. So if people don't want me over, cause you know, they, they probably think I'm a, I'm a a death carrier. (laughs) Um, you know, I totally understand. Please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, we're thankful no one in our house has any symptoms. And and so uh, today is a great day because Mm -hmm. today I'm actually off quarantine and that's why we're doing in person, you know? So I'm excited to be, um, with, with humans again. Mm Uh, so with other humans in my family, (laughs) they're they're great, but (laughs) it's just nice to be with different people. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be in a room full of people Mm -hmm. and I don't really need to know much. Mm -hmm. Um, like if they, I just don't need to know, I'm going to take my own precautions. I'm going to stand, you know, give the social distance of six feet and I'm going to, you know, put hand sanitizer on and, and that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it for myself. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more like concerned about how other people mm-hmm. are perceiving me and, uh, what they want me to do for them, you know, so I can serve them well. And so I can be a blessing instead of being a curse to someone, you know? Yeah. And I think we, we practice this in all kinds of ways. Like Christians were taught to submit to each other. And so I think us submitting to each other in this very weird context, you know, is really no different. Like, you know, Paul talks about like caring for like the weakest brother, you know, not to say that someone who is, you know, more fearful of coronavirus is the weaker brother, but just submitting to the wishes of other people. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this case, honestly, there's an argument for both sides could be seen as the weaker, you know, it depends on, uh, you know, where's our heart? Is our heart for compassion Mm -hmm. for other people? If it's not, then I would say you're the weaker brother, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I find myself not being as compassionate as I should be. So Mm -hmm. I need to keep putting myself in other people's masks, you know? Sure. Other people's (laughs) shoes, as it were. (laughs) So anyway, we're asking these questions like that. We're asking, uh, you know... When yellow happens, yeah. are you going to be interested in going to home group? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, will home groups be open? Uh, how many people can be in a in a not just a home group, but a, a men's group, a women's Bible study? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, whether, whether it be lilies and sparrows, whatever it is, mm-hmm. what is the context that Ironworks is is uh, purposing and supporting and saying that this is healthy for our body of of believers and considering all. And then, and then do we, how do we include people that are not ready to come out yet into, uh, into this coronavirus world? And, uh, how do we make sure no one falls through the cracks? How do we still Mm -hmm. do virtual and, um, aspects of our community and connecting? So I think it's being intentional about that as well. Yeah. And checking up on our neighbor via Zoom still, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, But anyway, that's going out. So our leaders are thinking about these things and we're preparing to to just just connect in the best, most intentional ways possible uh, in the future here. So... Yeah, we need to pray for our leaders that they have wisdom because this is such a a challenging time. Okay, so uh, we wanted to talk about the sermon, Shana, Mm -hmm. you know, what's um, kind of what, give us the the quick summary of the message, if you would. Yeah, so Darren is preaching from the book of Mark. I don't have the whole passage in front of me. I just have my notes. 
but it was, um, Darren referred to it as like a passage that most of us know, it's like a classic one, where they wanna get to the other side. I believe they're in the Sea of Galilee, am I right? Good, good question. Fact checkers, help. <laughs> uh, I just don't have it in front of me. Um, I don't remember them ever. Oh, and ever. Google that. Anyway, I, go ahead. I don't think they did they're it They're on fishing. a sea, they're on a body think, of water. Right, I don't think they're in the, <laughs> it's Mark, it's the one where they're, um, the, the big storm and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got to put that in there. It's the big, the big storm and little boat. <laughs> I don't think anyone did any fishing on the Dead Sea. I don't think there's much to be had <laughs> from the Dead Sea. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, so Darren uh, shared that passage with us and Jesus uh, you know, was like fast asleep. And Darren made this observation. He's like, you know, preachers can attest to this, that you're profoundly exhausted after sharing a message, you know, and in those days where there was like no sound equipment, you know, he must've been like really projecting. And so he was just completely asleep in this boat and the disciples are panicking and they wake him up and they say, don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? Right. And Darren kind of like zeroed in on this phrase, like, don't you care? Right. And that's an outcry that all of us have experienced, you know, and maybe we find ourselves there even now, you know, and then Jesus woke up and it says that he calmed the winds and the waves. And he says, and I have it here in verse 40, it says, why are you still afraid? Uh, have you still no faith? Right. So, yeah, so Darren shared this passage with us, and I think he made some really helpful observations about it. Yeah, so you mentioned, as we talked uh, just pre-Ironcast here about that given being Christians, uh, understanding that there's going to be storms. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm reading a couple Facebook posts and some listening to some some podcasts and Andy Crouch, super intelligent guy. Mm -hmm. We both love and mm -hmm. just think he has such great insight and mm -hmm. ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. He throws out this idea of the storm that mm -hmm. we're in now. Uh, is it a blizzard or is it winter? Mm -hmm. And the difference is a lot of people think, Oh, it's just a blizzard. It's just going to, it's just going to pass over and, and then we'll move on and we'll get back to our normal uh, or maybe a slightly new normal, whatever that looks like. Or mm -hmm. is this winter? Like, this is a game changer. You know, another one article talks about this is the end of the 9-11 era. And this is now pandemic era. So mm -hmm. if you go into the CIA headquarters, the sign that you see is uh, every day is September 12th. So your mindset is we are responding to 9-11. Wow. Yeah. And it's been like that for 20 years now. Yeah. And I, I, if you, I mean, think about it, it's like, wow, that's true. We are totally still in reaction mode mm -hmm. to what happened in New York city. Mm -hmm. And here we are again, New York city, the epicenter. Yeah. And we're responding pretty much as saying, this is the worst case scenario. Yeah. This could happen anywhere. Uh, let's respond adequately. Mm -hmm. And this is going to define, this is impacted the whole globe. It's going to define us for the next, however long, what a winner is. Maybe it's, in the 9-11 era, it's been 20 years. Uh, in this era, how long is this pandemic going to affect us? You know, mm -hmm. is this a blizzard or a storm? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and I reacted, and this is my gut, and not to make me paint me stupid, but um, <laughs> is, is this a blizzard in Atlanta? Like, is this a, a light snowstorm in Atlanta that shuts down the airport? Like, 
people in Atlanta would overreact to exactly. a snowstorm is what you're saying. It's not that they would necessarily even overreact. They just don't know how to react because they, they don't hardly ever yeah. see snow. So they don't know how to drive in it. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, they don't, they don't have the infrastructure to handle yeah. the the snow. And so they shut down the airport and yeah. people from the North are like, it's an, it's an inch. Like literally we were trying to get on our cruise down in, in Florida. We couldn't fly through Atlanta because there was an inch of snow on the runway wow, and yeah. they just did not know how to deal with it yet. And over in Reykjavik, Iceland, and an inch of snow is like a daily or like right. a, an hourly occurrence, you know, right. Right. and they got ice on the wings and they're de-icing the wings and then they yeah. can fly out at any, any moment notice. So yeah, just, are we in a blizzard or are we in a storm mm-hmm. and is Jesus sleeping and does he care? Mm. But what's your reaction? How do you feel? Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, there's a lot I could say, you know, I, I think that the first thing comes to mind for some people, this, you know, shelter in place is there every day. You know, there's some people who are immune compromised and they have to be thinking this way every single day. You know, they have to, I have, I have a student who has had organ transplants, you know, and she, before any of us even had an inkling that school would close down. Like I, I was, you know, I, I would, I would definitely say that I had like a certain level of hubris. Like I had my seniors coming to me and they were freaking out and they freak out over everything. Like my seniors are, they're like the anxiety generation. Australia's on fire, you know, like the whole world's going to, it's a crapshoot because of like the ozone layer being depleted, like what's going to happen to us. You know, they're just so anxious, but they were coming to me and I was just, you know, in an effort to like quell their anxiety saying, it's going to be okay. Like, you don't need to worry. Like, I really doubt that we're going to shut down. Like, you know what I mean? And so I, but I was wrong. You know, I was so, so, so wrong. But even before any of that, this student stopped coming to school because she's immune compromised, you know? And so I think this quarantine, something that it's made me realize is just like any other time, the most vulnerable are being impacted. You know, people who don't have the health, you know, the youth, you know, to protect them, that don't have access to healthcare, you know, people who don't have the privilege to work from home. You know, I think it's just really opened a lot of us. It's opened our eyes to be able to see them, you know? And so I think like, does God, is God asleep? Obviously, no. Like, we as Christians would say no. But it's amazing to me that there are so many people that I didn't see. And it's like, God's eye is on them all the time. You know, like, I'm I'm so short-sighted, you know, but Scripture tells us that His eye is on the sparrow, you know, like the littlest detail. So, no, like, God, like, certainly God's not asleep. And um, I think that we as Christians can really walk away not like a way, but we can walk from this and say, wow, like how many people did we just not see before? People who can't come to our service because they can't leave their home or they don't have access to transportation or like they work seven days a week and they don't have a choice in that, you know, maybe they're a single parent. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of. Yeah. I think, you know, as God asleep, it feels like he would be responding better you know, helping more people if mm-hmm. he were awake or we would anticipate yeah. more action on his part. You know, yeah. I'm praying for revival where there is the epicenter of outbreak, right? Yeah. So I'm praying for people to repent and see God at work. Yeah. Uh, disappointed by the governor of New York's response that God is not involved and there are no miracles. And mm-hmm. you, But you can just see a man who is overwhelmed, mm-hmm. you know? So pray for him that he would not feel that he's in it alone, you know, 
he feels maybe abandoned by the president or whatnot, but may he not feel like God has left him mm-hmm. all alone, mm-hmm. you know? But it's interesting, you know, Jesus is asleep on the boat, and yet when it's his final hour, uh, he challenges the disciples not to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And they fall asleep mm-hmm. and it's not okay. It's <laughs> okay for Jesus to be asleep, but it's not okay for the disciples to be asleep. Mm-hmm. What, what do you make of that, Shana? Theologically, <laughs> give me your Sam Andreatis oh harmonica playing answer, if you would. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to channel Sam and it's just, you know. Well, I'll answer for you in a way. Please. Like you just said, you see people now that you hadn't seen before. Yeah. So I would say that you have been awoken Mm-hmm. in your faith yeah, to people and you can see people as before you were asleep to. Yeah. So I, I would say Jesus is trying to wake us up to the things that are really mattering, the, the real storms, yeah, as opposed to the ones that are really not yeah. storms like we think they are, yeah. but they're really not. Along that same vein, um, being in quarantine, my setting not changing, you know, just being at home. I mean, I've like so many tasks, like, you know, I still have just like everybody else, lots of different responsibilities that has still happened, you know, balls have to be kept in the air, but not having to travel or go or like interact with as many people. I just find I have, I don't know if it's just a gift from God or what, but it's like just more bandwidth in my mind, you know? Mm. And like my mind has been going to other people who I've not talked to in a long time, like friends that I've lost track of. Maybe I haven't even spoken to in over 10 years. Like I I was able to reach out to a friend via email and like she responded and I was like, oh my goodness, like I, you know, and just being able to encourage them in the Lord and, and other people too, like people who maybe I haven't spoken to since high school or even middle school or even like before that, um, who I'm connected to on social media, but like we don't ever interact. We just kind of like voyeuristically see each other's pages, you know, like we never actually interact. And like normally, you know, if it weren't the quarantine that would be the status quo. It's like they just live their life over there and I'm over here and we just kind of like exist in the same universe, you know, but never interact. God has just enlarged my heart where it's like I want to engage with them. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I can be just wrapped up in my own little world, you know, just like I have all these things to do and I'm so busy and I'm so this, I'm so that. But quarantine, like really, I had to slow down in a lot of ways and it's just, I don't know, I just feel God is helping me to care about people who are not directly in front of me, you know? It's surprising because, you know, someone challenged me and said, you know, as I'm talking about reopening and and I'm coming across maybe as less considerate, you Mm -hmm. know, as you talk about reopening, but they challenged me, some Christians are missing it on this pandemic because we're missing it in terms of the compassion you speak of. At the same time, I feel like we're torn between um, compassion for the poor versus compassion for the sick. So we have 26 million people unemployed uh, who can't pay their, not some of them can't pay their bills and really struggling financially. And and it when that happens, families get out of whack. Right. You know, finances is the, one of the biggest stressors in a marriage. And so if that falls apart, then domestic violence is going to increase. Child abuse is going to increase. Uh, kids in foster care is going to increase. Like it's, it's going to be a ripple effect. Yeah. Uh, poverty is, is a uh, trigger, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like we have to keep that in mind as well. And we just have to somehow do both as the church. We can't yeah. say one's more important than the other. We just have to say both are important. Yeah. And how, what do we do? Yeah. How do we love both, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so and that's, that's what I mean. Like there are, this quarantine has exposed the most vulnerable, like th- those families that you speak of that are only one or two paychecks away from poverty. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's these people, there are so many more of these people than we realize, you know, and we just don't see them. We don't have to, we don't have to care about them or think about them or be aware of them, you know, like under, like it's taken a quarantine for our country to be like, oh wait, maybe like, maybe not every single person is like super prosperous and like, you know, and I just, maybe we need more supports in place so that families aren't on the brink of destruction, you know? Yeah. It's the unintended consequences of fixing things. I feel like we always break things Mm -hmm. as we fix them. Yeah. I don't want to be a a death carrier. I want to be a hope carrier. How can we be a hope carrier when the solution looks like I need to say no to this to be able to say yes to that? How can we instead say, Jesus, you are Lord over it all. How, How are we going to... Uh, and getting into our final point of the sermon, activate our faith. Darren was, toward the end of his sermon, he was quoting another pastor. And he says, it's not that, it's not do you have faith, right? Referencing that question that Jesus says, you know, have you still no faith? It's not that, it's not do you have faith, but get it out, Hmm. right? I hope I'm interpreting this correctly. You know, faith is something that maybe we don't feel it like immediately. You know, when we, when some kind of cataclysmic catastrophe befalls us, you know, we have to seek God even for faith. You know, like we, we can go to him. You know, Darren was saying like in his sermon that he, he thinks it's a good thing that we can go to God with our questions. You know, like, do you care? You know, just like openly questioning God, you know. So having that faith, it may not feel automatic. It's something we have to seek God for. You know, you said you were comforted. Yeah, I, I was very comforted by that because sometimes, many times, I would say most times, something will happen. You know, whether it's like something major in the house breaks. You know, we've recently had to put a lot of money into our plumbing. You know, there's just been so many things in our house that have broken recently, or like a health crisis. Uh, you know, someone I love is sick, or. And my immediate reaction will be like, like I'll feel all my blood vessels tighten, you know, and I'm just like, I just, I'm fearful, you know? And, and then when I like kind of reflect on that, just in my prayer or in my devotions, I often feel I come up short, you know, which like, obviously, you know, Mm. like all have fallen short, you know, of the glory of God, but it, it makes me feel sometimes discouraged. It's like, you know, if I were the Christian that I'm supposed to be, then like, maybe that wouldn't even be happening. Maybe that wouldn't be my automatic response. And not to, not to dismiss growth because I th- I'm hoping like maybe a year from now or 10 years from now, maybe it will be a little bit more automatic. I don't know. But this quote, you know, it's not, do you have faith, but get it out. Like when I have those scary moments where I'm you know, just someone I love is sick or something breaks or whatever. Maybe like, maybe I don't automatically, you know, just maybe faith doesn't take over, but I can stop and I can say to God, you know, help me to trust you. You know, do you care? Help me to know that you care. So right. it just, it just kind of gave me permission to go through that those steps yeah. and to not feel guilty about it. And the Bible tells us that like everything we need comes from God, you know, like, so. I, yeah, I think Jesus is challenging the disciples to activate their faith in both situations. The one where the storm is, is for them to believe that it's possible for the storm to be quieted. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, our prayer is an action of faith. Uh, and you know, the greatest storm of, of Christ dealing with Satan. Mm-hmm on the cross, like the biggest fight ever and, um, and dealing with the wrath of God on top of that. So, uh, you know, it's a big deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Darren, Darren closed his sermon with that, right? He, he made a few other observations. He says, you know, storms are inevitable, you know, and they can reveal this idea that not everything actually rests on our shoulders. And he says, that's discipleship, you know, grappling with that and coming to realize that over time, you know, and he says, you know, when we ask God, do you care about this storm? You know, his response, you know, Christ's response, um, he, he observed that, you know, Jesus allowed the storm to have its way with him so that we would never have to walk through a storm alone, right? He says, consider the resources of the gospel in this season, Yeah, you know, and I'm just so profoundly encouraged by that. Mm. You know, this is not the prosperity gospel where, you know, if we just pray hard enough, we'll be made well, you know, like if our faith were just strong enough, then this problem would have never befell, you know befallen us. And that's not what scripture teaches, you know, mm-hmm. like scripture teaches us that we'll have trouble. But yes, I'm just, I'm just so encouraged by that when, you know, Jesus being in the garden of Gethsemane and about to take on the biggest storm, the biggest darkness, you know, yeah. and doing it willingly. You know, the last thing I think we should talk about is, is uh, we're coming into this new phase of um, yellow, yellow mm-hmm. phase mm-hmm. and coronaphobia. You know, now sure. I, 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 at home, I'm feeling comfortable. I'm feeling all mm-hmm. right. But now I'm going out amongst a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, needing to activate my faith. And yeah. a lot of people can confuse, uh, be confused about what that looks like. Yeah. And um, I think they could forget what we're just talking about here, that what faith is, faith is, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, we're being asked to be, to, we're being challenged to make decisions based on science. Give me the data and then I'll make my decisions based off of that. But science doesn't give us um, the purposes of God necessarily. It doesn't tell us how to treat people Mm. necessarily. So we need to have faith, um, alongside science, trumping science, faith in Christ gives us a different perspective. So I can imagine a scenario where someone comes into a room without a mask and Mm -hmm. in our minds as Christians, we might say, oh, that's a greater act of faith than uh, me wearing a mask, right? Uh, Maybe not up here in in Pennsylvania, but down in the South, hey, I can go out. And I can go out without a mask and mm-hmm. that's faith. God's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, then they would be condemning those who are taking more precautions. Yeah. And I think, you know, for each person, we have to go before God in the, in, in to say, God, I don't want to have coronaphobia. I do not want to look at someone and worry about whether or not they're going to uh, infect me. Mm-hmm. I want to do what I know I'm supposed to be doing and trusting Lord that you're going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And and fulfill the purpose that you've given me to do. I want to have that mindset mm-hmm. and give people that room to to work out their faith mm-hmm. with fear and trembling, you know, mm-hmm. to work out there, to mm-hmm. overcome their fears and, and me overcome mine, you know, yeah. Uh, together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was very wise of Darren, like one of the, f- I think it was the first or second devotion that he uh, delivered. It was a Thursday night that he's been doing, you know, remotely. But he talked about the importance of like not judging others. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, there's a lot of issues that we face nowadays as Christians that are not just like, that are not concretely addressed in the scriptures. You know, something, something like, you know, what are the credentials for a pastor? Or like, what are some important things to do if you're married? Or what are some things that you shouldn't do? You know, like, there are certain things that are like very easy to look in the scriptures and find pretty straightforward directives. 
But the scriptures don't really address something like this very directly, you mm -hmm. know, but instead it does say like to submit to one another. And so I think, yeah, it was very wise of him to, to talk to us about not judging because I've certainly, you know, from both sides, I've seen just like people be very reactionary toward each other. Like, you know, there's actually, there's a running meme. I love memes. I'm like, yeah, I just so, like, so I, I. <laughs> I just love it. Um, I, but I, uh, I, I teach the crucible most years. I teach the crucible, uh, every spring and you know, this, the crucible is like this, it's a fictionalized account by Arthur Miller. Um, it's like a, it's an historical allegory where he was attacking McCarthyism, you know, and how the government was like targeting these people who they thought were communists and they were a danger and all this. And, you know, he was writing. So on the surface, it seemed like it was about the Salem witch trials, but underneath it all, it was about, you know, targeting and criticizing McCarthyism. And uh, so there's like all these lines in there. Like I saw Goody Proctor dancing with the devil. I saw Goody Proctor. I, I saw, I saw Goody Smith doing this. And so there's this, there's these memes that are like, I saw, I saw Goody Proctor at the market without a mask, you know, like stuff like that, where it's just like, you know, like kind of pointing the finger and, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth got that, that look when she went down the wrong way in the aisles. Now yes. they have one way aisles in the supermarket. Yes. So she went down the wrong way and she didn't know. <laughs> and she got a look. Mm. Right. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's good wisdom there, Shana. <laughs> so may we not judge mm. uh, and, and know that Christ um, came to forgive and mm -hmm. to lead us and to help us overcome fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into um, yellow, green, uh, opening up into uh, gathering together, your scripture is clear that gathering is one of the greatest acts of hope. We see it over and over again in the scriptures. Even the word synagogue, Father, means to gather. And so we, we know that at your heart, it is you have designed us to gather. You have designed us to gather together an expectation that you will save. So as we long to do that, as we long to do that again, uh, to be in presence uh, of other people that we love and care for, uh, even our neighbors and strangers, to be in, in connection. God, as we long to gather uh, at all kinds of events, we are a people who gather. And I pray that we would gather in your name for your glory, not afraid, as it is your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.